Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past, headlining some of the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are featuring Vic and Say, Jimmy Durante and Gary Moore, Fred Allen, Jack Benny, Bob Hope, and our special in-person guest, Marty Halpern. You know, in the almost three years the golden days of radio has been on the air, we've had some, uh, some interesting excerpts and also some interesting guests. We have a guest this, uh, on this program that was here uh, about a year ago, and he's back. Marty Halpern, welcome to the golden days of radio. Thank you, Frank. It's good to be back bringing some of these things here. Well, the last time you were here, you brought some, uh, some exciting excerpts, some, some funny clips and... Uh, uh, some some things that, that I had never heard, some blow-ups, uh, mm-hmm. some of those uh, uh, fluffs that they did. That's uh, right. Those are the, the gassiest things, I think, because uh, years ago radio was uh, was all live. That's right. And uh, you couldn't go back and change it. Once it no. was uh, said, uh, uh, that was it. Everybody heard it. But There uh, was no tape then. We talked, last time you were here, we talked about your collection, and you've got, I guess, one of the largest collections in existence, don't you? It's, uh, it's fairly large. I'm beginning to wonder where I'm going to be storing it all the time. <laughs> how many how many programs do you have? I in terms of programs I don't know. I have I know I have about 3000 discs and about 800 hours on tape now. Uh-huh. Now the discs are the old the old 16-inch discs, right? Uh-huh. It takes a special uh, a special turntable to play those. That's right. Uh, the discs are rather large. It takes a special turntable arm and a stylus also. Uh-huh. Well then I think we might explain that uh, during the uh, early days of radio Many of the shows were transcribed uh, uh, for repeat broadcast, and they were recorded on 16-inch transcriptions. That's right. And they uh, they only got 15 minutes on a side. That's that's right. 15 minutes a side, and uh, they usually didn't back them up. You had a blank side on the back, of course. Uh huh. So the engineer could go from side one to side two. They've made tremendous strides. Now you can get 30 minutes on a side and hear nothing but news and disc jockeys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got some some great excerpts uh, on this program. Uh, I know. One of your favorite programs, and it certainly was a favorite of, of people for, for many, many years, and that was Vic and Sage. Yes, I've always enjoyed that. And I find that those in radio, if they talk about their favorite show, the in show, in a sense, was, was Vic and Sage. They were very funny. Every episode was completely different. Uh, while they had the same characters, uh, Monday's episode had nothing to do with, with uh, Tuesdays. It was all, always different. You mean a complete program? With That's this? right. Mm-hmm. That's right. What, what is this excerpt you're bringing? Well, this one we call A Letter to Walter. Uh, Walter, well, the cast includes Vic, Sade, and their son, Rush. And uh, Sade's sister, Sade's sister's husband is named Walter. And Sade would like Vic to write a letter to Walter. And it's a rather funny segment as to how the whole thing transpires. All right, let's listen to it. Here's Vic and Sage. I wish you'd write to Walter. Oh. How long's it been since you dropped him a line? I don't know. Been years and years, ain't it? Guess so. Ain't you kind of ashamed? Uh-uh. Ought to be. How long has it been since Walter dropped me a line? Well, that's different. Why? Walter's not a letter-writing fella. I am, huh? Sure. Sit down there in your office and rip off letters to people all day long. What the heck would I say? Oh, just some chatty little talky talk, maybe. Hey, about... Excuse me, ma'am. 
threw in? Three sixes, three fours, and the ten jack, queen, and king of spades. You must have resorted to low cunning to accumulate that many spreads so quick. Sure. Uh, your deal is tripped. Why don't you do it right now, Vic? Write a letter to Walter? Oh. Sure. You're just sitting there idle. I'm playing Remy. You just finished your game. Go ahead. Rush, hand your father your pencil tablet. Okay. I'll dash him off a note tomorrow. Like fun. You'd never even think of it. Well, I got nothing to say to Walter. He's your brother-in-law. I ought to exchange sweet confidence with him on that account, huh? Well, what I'd like to have you do is scribble your note off on that cheap tablet paper, and then in the morning take it down to the office and have the girl typewrite it nice. What's the idea? It'd please Bess. I thought it was Walter I'm supposed to write to. Well, Walter and Bess. See, they're good and proud of their monstrous big important brother-in-law with his marvelous position. I bet they'd show your letter to everybody in Carberry if it was written on a machine by a regular stenographer with her initials at the bottom and all. Mm. Will you do it? I suppose. It hit me this afternoon you ought to drop a line to Walter. Bess and I hear from each other almost every week, and it don't look right for <laughs> you two men to let whole years go past without his... What's the matter? Nothing. Why are you laughing? Get away from here, Rush. How can a man write a letter to his brother-in-law with a hyena like you breathing down his neck? What's he writing there? <laughs> Read me what he's got wrote down there. Go away from here, Dishwarty. Rush, do you hear what I said? Um, dear Walter, how's your kneecap? Does it hurt much? My kneecap jumped out of place last Tuesday at 4 o'clock while I was swimming in the creek. Sadie has been put in jail. Rush was married early this morning. What time is it? You make me sick. If I had ears like... <laughs> he made every word of that up today. I did not. You did too. That don't strike me so comical, Vic. <laughs> well, I don't know what to say to the guy, kiddo. Poor Walter's a guy now, huh? We got nothing in common. Just married sisters is all. Got that much in common. It won't be news to Walter if I write and tell him we married sisters. <laughs> Dear Walter, you and I married sisters. I married Sister Sadie and you married Sister Bessie. It's great stuff, eh, Walter, being married to sisters? You don't seem to have much trouble thinking up silliness. Put half of that energy into fixing up a decent letter and you'd get through in five minutes. I can't get anywhere with this. Can't you? No. All day long, you sit down in your office and dash off enormous big letters to fellas in the kitchenware company. Peculiar, you can't write a few measly little words to your own brother-in-law. All I got is, dear Walter, will you old horse thief you? How's tricks? I wouldn't even say that as a joke. What, horse thief? Yes. Walter might not understand. All right, we'll delete that. Now I'll, all I got is, dear Walter, not much of a letter. Put down a little chatty talky-talk. Such as what? Oh, business is fine. I suppose you read in the newspaper about this, that, and other thing. Looks like big doings in Washington, D.C., with the Congress making different laws. You know. Mm -hmm. See how this suits you. Mm -hmm. Dear Walter, business is fine. I suppose you read in the newspaper about this, that, and the other thing. Looks like big doings in Washington, D.C., with the Congress making different laws. Yours truly, Vic. I'd be ashamed. I put down what you told me to put down. 
I'd be ashamed. It's understated. I done the best. Put your I... tablet and fountain pen off to one side. Go ahead with your rummies. <laughs> Shucks, I guess Walter won't wither away and die just because his wonderful brother-in-law won't take five minutes of his valuable time. Tell me what to say, kiddo, and I'll say it. What do you say to your friend Y.Y. Flirch when you write him letters? Oh, I don't know. Generally stuff about the lodge. Tell Walter about the lodge. You don't belong to it. Well, that don't hurt. Tell him you had a meeting. Mm. You'd sit down and dash off 40 pages to Y.Y. Flirch. When it comes to your own brother-in-law, you can't think of a word. Mm. Uh, listen, Mom. Mm -hmm. uh, dear Uncle Walter, thought I would write and see how you are feeling. We are fine, and God's sore throat has let up considerable on the twinges. I expect you people... You already read me that part. Uh, Mom is looking forward with breathless pleasure to visiting you and Aunt Beth. She anticipates much delight in seeing your faces once again. How you like that? It's all right. I think it's dandy. A little on the axle grease and peach butter side. What do you think of that junk about breathless pleasure? It's all right. Okay. Got something down? Yep. Listen. Dear Walter, how are you, old top? I wouldn't call him names, Vic. Old top ain't a very cruel epithet. Well, Walter's touchy. Liable to think you're jolly enough. Well, just dear Walter, then. <laughs> dear Walter... One hundred alumni of the University of Clinton met in the Butler House Hotel yesterday to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the university's founding. Alumni clubs in 15 other cities held similar gatherings. The alumni heard an address by Dr. U. Flossmore Screech depicting historical events in the university's development and a trombone solo by Miss Edith Clem entitled, All My Hugs and Kisses, Alma Major, Belong to Thee. Yours truly, Vic. Of course, it's not any too chatty. It's informative, though. You copied that out of tonight's newspaper. What? Do you say I copied it out of... Tonight's life? newspaper, yes. I read it myself. Kiddo, before you get hot under the collar, let me... Where are you going? Up there. Not to bed. I may go to bed. Who cares? Well, it's only ten minutes past eight. That's so? Wait now, Sage. Tell you what I'll do. I'll write water the longest... Lock the doors and fix the lights before you come up. Oh. I've gone to work and made your mother mad. Mm. Now I've got to write a letter to ease my conscience. That's a funny sequence. It is. That was a great show. How long was Vic and Sade on the air? I believe somewhere around 12 years. Uh-huh. That was one of the few shows you were telling me. that. Yes, was on... uh, it was on both NBC and CBS. Uh-huh. The same day. And they did live shows. Oh, yes, they were doing those shows They'd live. They'd do the show once for one network. Then and they'd uh, wait until the time came to do it for the then second Then they'd go over one. to another studio yes. and do it again for... Uh, for the West Coast. And for the says. same... Right, and for the same sponsor, too. <laughs> uh-huh. Marty, you're director of acquisitions for the Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters, and that's a, a group uh, uh, here in Los Angeles in Southern California that has almost every radio star that's, uh, that's still around uh, on their roster of members. That's right. There are about 800 members, and uh, to qualify to be a member, you have to have been in radio 20 years or TV for 15. And really, it's, it's sort of a social group. We get together every two months and have lunch, at which time we honor someone in the field of radio or TV. And our luncheons bring out between four and 600 people, mm -hmm. which is quite a thing to bring people out for lunch. And there have been a lot of guests there. Oh, yes. 
Jack Benny has been there. Phil Harris. Uh, uh, Jimmy Durante. Durante. Yes, mm -hmm. we had quite a, quite a few people there. Carlton E. Morris. Mm -hmm. Jim Jordan. That's right. Uh, now, we were talking earlier about some of the fluffs they made on radio, and you've got one here that I'm anxious to hear. This is uh, uh, Jimmy Durante and Gary Moore. They had their own show on CBS uh, radio every Friday night mm -hmm. during the middle 40s. This was 1947, wasn't it? That's right, it was. Now, what is this, the opening of the This program? is the very opening of the show where they uh, make a mistake, and it's very interesting to see what they do about it. All right, here's Jimmy Durante and Gary Moore. Drug program, Gary Moore speaking. Hello, Gary, this is Jimmy. Jimmy Durante, where are you? I'm home taking a bath. But the door on the locked room door? Wait a minute. Ah! Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Jimmy I got a coffin coffee. It's gonna be a long It's gonna be a long night tonight. Jimmy Durante, where are you? I'm home taking a bath. But the lock on the bathroom door is broke. Well, suppose it is. What's taking you so long? Junior, did you ever try to take a bat leaning against the door? Well, they couldn't do that over. That was a live show, too. In front wasn't of an it? audience. <laughs> In 1945, uh, Fred Allen, who had been on the radio for something like uh, 18 years, mm -hmm. Uh, lost his program. That's right. He no longer had a sponsor, and he was off doing nothing, really. Well, he was on NBC uh, at, uh, as I recall, at the time, a program called Stop the Music came on the air, opposite his show. That and, may have uh, been it, yeah. And uh, Stop the Music had uh, so much popularity uh, that uh, Fred Allen's rating just went down to rock bottom. And so uh, for oh. a couple of years there, he didn't have a program. And sponsors will do. They canceled it. <laughs> yes, they will. Now, he appeared on many shows as guests. Yes. And this clip is from a Jack Benny program. Yes. Uh, he pops up on the Jack Benny show to do the commercial, uh -huh. which is rather funny because, you know, they had this so-called feud between Fred Allen and Jack Benny, which mm -hmm. never really existed, but it, it was great for, for radio, though. Uh-huh. And he came on to, to uh, pick up some extra cash and do the That's commercial. right, as you'll hear here. All right, here's uh, Fred Allen on the Jack Benny program. Come in. Uh, hello, everybody. Good evening, Mr. Benny. <laughs> Why, Fred. Fred Allen, how are you? Well, I haven't time to bandy pleasantries, Mr. Benny. This really isn't a social call. I'm, uh, I'm here on business. Business? Yes. Your uh, sponsor hired me to read the commercial. <laughs> oh, so you're the guy. But, Fred, I thought radio was through with... I mean, you were through with radio. <laughs> well, I haven't got my own program anymore... But uh, I do odd jobs, a commercial here, a sound effect there, an occasional sob on John's other wife. <laughs> and uh, by that, you manage to eke out a living? If it doesn't make you too unhappy, yes. <laughs> hmm. Uh, and here I am tonight slumming on your show. Couldn't slumming, made that for your information, Alan, my program <laughs> is right up on top. On top? Listen, Benny, your program is so low, gravity will have nothing to do with it. 
<laughs> and your friend... <laughs> you won't find it in there. I called in a little writer who was going by on the street. <laughs> <laughs> Furthermore, yes. furthermore, he gave me this in case the other one didn't go. <laughs> furthermore, your program is so, so full of corn, its rating goes up and down with the grain market. <laughs> That's the one we gave you. I mean. Yes. <laughs> and another thing, I don't believe Mary Livingston is sick tonight at all. You just made her stay home so you'd be sure of one listener. <laughs> All right, all right. Look, you came here to read a commercial, so do it and get out of here. Oh, Mr. Benny, you're losing your temper. <laughs> I am not losing my temper. Well, your forehead is getting red right up to the roots of your toupee. <laughs> Listen, Alan, I don't know why my sponsor had to send you over. Doesn't he know that I pay Don Wilson a big salary to read the commercial? Can't Wilson read it? Well, yes, but your sponsor feels that with the local butchers on strike, it isn't safe for all of that beef to linger too long in one spot. <laughs> well, then, all right, read the commercial and get out of here. All right, well, now, you just step aside, Mr. Benny. I use big words and make gestures. I need a lot of room. Would you step back from the microphone? Go ahead. Thank you. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, lucky strike means fine tobacco. Yes, lucky strike means fine tobacco. <laughs> click, 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 click. Wait a minute, wait. Are you doing a commercial or do you have lower plate wobble? <laughs> Nice to get one in myself here once in a while. Now, quiet, quiet, please, Mr. Benny. This may be my big opportunity. Click, click. Click, click, click. Yes, sir. Sure thing. That's right. Oh, boy. Wahoo! <laughs> Lucky strike means fine tobacco. What diction? So round, so firm. And like Mr. Benny's wallet, so fully packed. <laughs> now, look. But unlike Mr. Benny's wallet, Lucky Strikes are free and easy on the draw. <laughs> now, wait a minute. With men who know tobacco best, it's Lucky's two to one. That's better. And with men who know comedians best, it's A-L-L-E-N. A-L-L-E-N. <laughs> it's B-E-N-N-Y. B-E-N-N-Y is what I now, don't stop me, Jack. Up to now, this is the cleverest dialogue on your show. Fred, Fred, where are you going? Fred, look out for those steps! Fred! Fred, are you hurt? Fred, say something. Sold America! <laughs> That's a funny sequence. Jack Benny and Fred Allen were always great together. They were. Marty, you know, it seems when you come on the program, the time goes just like that, and we're almost out of time. Once again, I want to thank you for, for joining me, and gosh, I, I want you to come back. I enjoyed it. It's, it's always Soon. fun doing it. All right. All right. We've got one more we're going to play, and this is from... Uh, 
the Lux Radio Theater program in 1947. The right. Sh- the show was what? Monsieur Bouquet. Right, with Bob Hope. Uh-huh. And, and what happens? Well, the interesting thing, of course, you all know Bob Hope doesn't let any fluff get by, and it's just as a classic example of somebody in the cast that makes a mistake and Hope is right on him. All right, here's Bob Hope. Bouquet, I can't find the Duc de Chandre anywhere. What makes a man forsake the honor of his country for a woman? Willpower. Now, now it's time for his presentation to the king. Well, don't look at me. You? You don't think I present you to the king? Yes, I do. Well, we meet again, my friend. Oh, to Chandro, praise heaven. Say, haven't you heard about doors? Every time I see you, you're coming in a window. Oh, but she's disappeared. My lady of the loach. She, I've scoured the whole of Madrid and not a trace. Oh, forget her, sir. Forget your lady of the loach. Forget her. <laughs> Why would you... I wouldn't associate with anybody that sat in the loge. Believe me. I don't care. I don't care whether she sits in a loach or a coach. I don't care. <laughs> Believe me, Dookie. Believe me, Dookie, she's grand. I, I tell you, just forget her. She, she's it's right here. She's just... Um, forget her, Duke. Forget her. That's because you were away washing your things. I know. Let me tell you something. Forget her. She's just another hank, a hair, a smile, a piece of lace, a dimple. I tell you, sir, women are all alike. Sensational. <laughs> Please, Your Grace, the King of Spain. Wait a moment. Beyond the balcony there. That garden over the wall. Dormon, look. It is she. Oh, not again. My lady. Duke, Duke. No, no, not again. Don't worry, Dormon. I'll be back. Oh, it's no use, book here. I... I can't keep the king waiting any longer. Go after the duke. Bring him back at all costs. I'll go down and try to delay the proceedings. Yeah, you delay the proceedings. I'll see you in a month or so. I'll give you ten minutes. No, 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 after him. Go on, climb down the balcony. Boy, I never thought I'd have a chance like this. Meet me later, Willie. I'm getting so far away from here, they'll have to use... <laughs> Darn that sword. Don't know why I wear it that way. Now to find the duke. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. A special thanks to our in-person guest, Marty Halpern. Here's a question for all of you. What's right about America? Our freedom of expression, for one thing, and the right of peaceful protest. Times are changing, and more and more Americans are making their voices heard. But with the freedom of expression comes a responsibility. The right of free expression can be destroyed if it leads to violence or infringement on the rights of others. Freedom of speech is guaranteed to each of us by our Constitution. Let's make sure we don't make it unconstitutional. By the way, the commercials heard on this program were for entertainment purposes only and do not constitute an endorsement by the Department of Defense. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next time for more shows and personalities from Radio's Golden Days. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.